Hey, y'all. It's Bud Elliott, Director of National Recruiting for SB Nation and proprietor of Tomahawk Nation. Here today uh, with a special guest on the SB Nation Recruiting Podcast to talk about, well, what else? Recruiting, but not in the typical, hey, here's who's committed, here's who's decommitted, here's who's probably going somewhere uh, today, but more of a, a macro approach. Welcome in Stephen A. Bergman, uh, formerly of the Ohio State University, uh, located in Cincinnati. Stephen, very happy to have you on with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Uh, thanks for the invitation. Uh, I'm happy to share uh, and have anyone listen to our work uh, about college football recruiting. So the, the way this, this all went down was a mutual friend of ours, I believe, uh, passed me uh, a, a paper and study y'all did on the effect of recruit quality on college ball team performance uh, that was published in the uh, journal of sports economics in 2016 volume one and I was like oh wow that's it's pretty cool as somebody who's a whole lot smarter than I am I actually took the time to, to sit down and um, make a real real quantitative look at just how much recruiting does affect performance and, and affects uh, potential earnings for, for college ball teams as well yeah, yeah. Um, you know, as, as we all know, the, the amount of coverage and uh, college football recruiting has uh, only expanded through the years, and it continues to expand. And, um, you know, there's some, as you know, great uh, on-the-field effects and uh, actually some financial effects uh, when these top-rated recruits uh, go to these big-time programs. Um, so there is a great amount of effect uh, when these programs, as you know, get these recruits. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, as I say, there, there's a reason they don't, they don't let heavyweights fight lightweights, right? Uh, right. <laughs> so uh, how, how did you get in, involved in this? How did you become interested in, in studying the, the, the effects of recruiting at, at the academic level? Yeah, I, um, you know, I originally stemmed from a uh, presentation that my associate associate was given, uh, Dr. Trevon Logan, um, he's an associate professor at Ohio State, he was given a presentation on the work he's done with uh, betting lines, um, and after the presentation I kind of sought him out, uh, asked him if I could, you know, join on his research team and, you know, provide any help where he needed it, and from conversations and a couple meetings, you know, we started talking about football recruiting, and, uh, you know, we looked at a couple of previous works in regards to the effects of college football recruiting on programs. Um, we kind of read it and we decided that, hey, maybe we could better the study. Maybe we could use what we call in the econometric world a fixed effects regression and look at each program individually. Um, and then from there it kind of took off and uh, we were able to, uh, you know, like you said, get published and uh, find some very significant findings. So. Going into this, what did you expect to find? Um, you know, we uh, we expected to see um, the effects of recruits probably be diminished with the regressions we were running. Um, so previous studies kind of looked at recruiting as a whole which we thought was inefficient. You know, the effects of a five-star uh, recruit going to Toledo or a uh, Central Florida, Florida is quite 
different than what a Florida State, when Florida State brings in that same recruit or Ohio State brings in that same recruit. So we thought the effects were going to be diminished and may not be as significant. However, our studies show that these effects, when we use asexual effect regression, are still statistically significant. Um, and they have profound effects, um, even when we look on a school-by-school school basis. Uh, which basically means is, you know, when Florida State brings in the top-rated recruits, it is a big deal. Um, our studies show that, you know, the chances of them, Florida State increasing their wins, chances of, you know, winning the national title, winning the ACC championship uh, are greatly increased. So, um, yeah, we were a little surprised about the significance, uh, even when we were kind of almost diminishing um, the effects of these college football recruits. So, in reading the study, a, a couple numbers I, I think really jumped out to me that are, are effective for uh, the audio format here. You posited that a, a five-star is worth approximately $150,000 in terms of, you know, of the earnings uh, he could achieve for a school via making a, a BCS, uh, well, back when we had the BCS, a BCS bowl. Is that uh, value over, let's say, the replacement level player? H how did you come to that uh, stat? So uh, we're actually looking into that even uh, further. Um, we're actually on, currently working on a project and a paper where we're putting financial values um, on these recruits. And our estimates show that these five and four star recruits are even worth more than our previous estimate of 150,000. Uh, that 150,000 came from a backdoor analysis. There wasn't a lot of thought put through it or a lot of work behind figuring out that $150,000 number. Uh, the stuff we're working on right now, that number is a lot larger. Um, so what our estimates in our current paper suggest that some of these five-star and four-star recruits may be worth over $500,000 a year to a college football program. Wow. That's uh... – Yeah. That's a big number, although not necessarily surprising me. But when you have a, it, it, your your scholarship limits represent a, a finite resource that you have to to maximize the quality of because you really can't get more. I, I guess back in the day, you could be in Nebraska and hide kids on swimming and bowling scholarships, but uh, right, <laughs> not, not anymore. Right. Um, <laughs> no. And then you you, uh, you guys think that potentially a five star could increase the wins of, of a team by by point four three seven. That's that's remarkable. That, that's a huge deal. Yeah, you know, so, you know, when Florida State or, you know, these top-rated programs bring in these, you know, great recruiting classes that have, you know, four or five-star recruits, our studies show that, you know, going forward for the next four years, those four or those four or five-star recruits uh, could bring up to two wins a season. I mean, as you know, two wins a season, that's, that's huge. Um, and, uh, you know, the four-star recruits, have a fairly significant number, uh, and they increase the wins. Um, and then as you go down the line, three and two-star recruits, their effects are fairly marginal, which just shows you the emphasis and the importance of bringing in high-rated recruits and having great recruiting classes. So you find that the drop-off from five to four is larger, or the drop-off from four to three is larger? The four to three is larger. Interesting. That's, uh, I mean, you, you, you think about it, Oftentimes, as an, as an industry, we, we use the term blue chip, right? And I've right. come up with, with kind of a, a quick and dirty method of 
predicting the national t- national champion, and it's worked for the last, um, well, at least the, the last decade. And that's you had to have recruited more four and five stars than two and three stars over the previous four classes, and everybody that's won it has fit. And we've actually we've had a couple times where, where it's it's come close, notably Oregon twice uh, to to the streak busting. Um, mm-hmm. How do you think? Well. With the playoff system, do you think recruiting is even more important because theoretically you're going to have to play uh, tougher schools on the way to potentially winning a national championship? That's a good question. Um, you know, to be honest with you, I would say it diminishes bringing in higher-rated recruits slightly. And the reason why I say is that now with the new playoff system, you don't have to run the table to get into the playoffs, right? Um, you know, you could have a one loss, and if you win your conference, you have a good opportunity to get to the playoffs. So if, if you don't have to be as dominant, you don't have to bring in as many higher-rated recruits. Um, so I would say it diminishes it slightly. Um to get into or to the playoffs, um, actually winning the national title, I would say that that theory still holds true. You know, if you want to win the national title, you still have to hold, probably bring in the top-rated recruits and the top-rated recruiting classes. But maybe getting to the playoffs, uh, I would say you don't have to have the best recruiting classes. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It, the, your access potentially to, to have a shot at it is greater, but but your chance to actually win it once you get there is perhaps less. Yeah, a, a yeah. Because win two games opposed to one. Right. You know what I'm thinking about. You know, you know, in a weak year like Pac-12 right now, Washington's undefeated, and Washington has a really good chance to run the table. I I could be wrong, but I think in the last couple of recruiting classes, Washington's playing in the top ten. Yeah, I would even say in the top twenty. Um, so a program like that, you know, has a great shot of getting to the playoffs, and they're not—they don't have top-rated recruiting classes. So the data set that you used was what 2002 to 2012, I believe, from Rivals. Yep. Yep. And I know we've done a decent bit of work on this on, on SB Nation, and it, it's probably not as scientific as it could be. Um, but I, you know, I, I really enjoyed reading all stuff because you're. You know, you're you're more in pursuit of, of, of truth and statistical significance as opposed to, um, you know, me. I have to, I, I guess, boil things down for for the average reader a little more. But one thing that we've noticed is that recruiting rankings are getting a lot better, and specifically over the last, uh, I don't know, six to seven years, they've really improved because of the advent of of, of digital film uh, combined with the uh, ease of access that people have now to high-quality camera equipment. There used to be a real limiting factor, which was, A, the recruiting services would, would have to depend on high school coaches cutting up film, sending that film into the recruiting services, or the recruiting services would have to drive around uh, the state to all these high schools and pick up tapes, and then they have to go and load them into their system. Now, high school coaches don't have to cut up that film because it's really easy for basically any kid now <laughs> can go on, on Movie Maker or uh, use Huddle or, or XOS or, or Verge, uh, those, those popular video services, and make their own highlights. Uh, and, and so the visibility is so increased. And what we found is that it, it leads to a lot fewer uh, 
diamonds in the rough, if you will, slipping through the cracks. Uh, and, and kids who probably should have been four or five stars. Uh, nowadays, they it's far more rare for them to be rated as, as two or three stars than perhaps it was a, a decade ago. I think you bring up a great point. As you know, technology evolves. Uh, I think you're absolutely right. You know, these scouting services become more and more efficient. These diamonds in the rough um, will be less found, or um, not as found as much. Um, you know, you know, back in the day, uh, when you know, coaches weren't able to see as much film from possible recruits. You know, there were a couple that could fall through the cracks. Um, I can't really think of any on the top of my head uh, in the 90s when I'm thinking of, you know, lower-rated recruits that, you Ed, know, Ed Reed was kind of broke. Uh, right. You know, so that, that, that's kind of the, the common refrain in, here in South Florida, um, especially for Miami fans. Anyway, Ed Reed was a two-star. Like, yeah, but that was, you know, almost two decades ago when, when he was playing high school ball. Nowadays – you know, if you have that many, that many interceptions in high school, well, if you want to get recruited, you're going to be damn sure to put that on a, on your highlight tape, and that highlight tape's going to get out. People are going to see that. Right. So, you know, with any analysis, out even, you know, any analysis in regards to numbers, you're always going to have outliers, right? So, you know, I'll speak on, you know, a local guy, Luke Keithley, uh, from Cincinnati. He was, I think, a two-star uh, and he was, you know, I'm sure he won numerous awards at Boston College. Um, so there are going to be some players that fall through the cracks. Uh, however, those number of players, due to the evolution of technology, um, are probably going to be few and far between. Um, but our analysis shows, you know, in the basic law of averages, um, that these five and four-star recruits are going to outperform these lower-rated recruits, and they're going to have a greater effect um, than these lower-rated recruits. But it's not to say that an Ed Reed-like situation is never going to happen, because um, it might, you know, player sure. comes in, two-star recruit, and you know, within the first two years, gets in the right program, gets his head on straight, you know, gets in the weight room, and you know, becomes a five-star, uh, has an impact like a five-star recruit. That's not to say that. Uh, that situation will never arise. So, if it's true that the quality of recruiting rankings uh, keeps improving, how do you think that would impact the, uh, you know, if you were to do the study, let's say, uh, a decade from now using data from, I don't know, 2009 to 2019? Um, I would say the effect Facts would maybe be a little larger, but we uh, we ran analysis on and we expanded our data to just to see if anything has really changed in regards to the effects. We expanded it to 2013, 2014, and we kept this in house. But uh, when we, so instead of running from 2002 to 2012, we ran 2002 to 2013, 2014. We just saw uh, the statistics and the significance were pretty much the same. Um, so I would guess, though, if, if the recruiting um, services become more efficient, then the effects will probably be slightly greater, but probably not as much, not a huge impact. Um, so, Stephen, something I found interesting in here, 
was you guys took and, and measured when the, the recruiting class that you signed has the greatest impact on, on team performance. Uh, could you explain that to the listeners? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, basically, you know, our analysis, you know, we made a simple regression in regards to, you know, what, what the equation came out to be is, you know, wins on quality recruits and each recruit quality. So uh, if we were to write it out as an equation, it would be wins equals five, four, three, two star, and we ran a regression. Um, so then the coefficients that our regression points out, um, you know, say, you know, a five-star brings in, or uh, the coefficient for a five-star is 0.4. That means that a five-star recruit will increase the wins for that team by 0.4 per year, and then so forth. Um, so that's how we set up our analysis, and that's how we set up our regression. Um, what we did differently, though, is that we looked at each school using a fixed effects regression, um, and that's how we, in our eyes, bettered the estimate. Um, where we look at each recruiting class from each school and see how it affects wins um, relative to some previous studies, which kind of just aggregate uh, every recruiting class and aggregate the wins. Um, so that's how we better the study. Now, were, were those results uh, surprising to you? Um, we thought, yeah. Uh, we thought the effects would be less, um, but we were fairly surprised on how significant the effects were, um, and how statistically significant um, our analysis was. So basically saying there is a positive, strong relationship between wins and high-rated recruits. Very cool. Um, yeah. Now. You guys didn't really look at, at the success on a per-recruit basis, which is obviously a, really a, a whole different topic. Um, but yeah, let me um, ask you this: We've actually talked oh, sorry, about that. No, no, good. Um, we've uh, we've actually talked about that, looking at you know position by position, recruit by recruit. But the issue we ran into is how do you statistically define an offensive lineman? how do you quantify the impact of alignment uh, as an example how do you quantify the impact a shutdown corner has you know if there's a sh- true shutdown corner and he never gets the ball thrown to him statistically he's going to look like other guy doing nothing you know he's not significant but in reality he took half the field away same thing with offensive alignment um, how do you quantify and show significance of a lineman who, you know, or, uh, you know, effectively blocks the defense end um, coming off the edge. Uh, we just didn't, there were some positions that we really couldn't accurately quantify their impact on the field. Does that make sense? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, the, the, the best way that we've tried to do it is basically look at, <clears throat> and, and I've not done this on, on a per position basis, which would be neat to do. But just uh, on the whole, uh, we've looked at, okay, how often do five stars get drafted compared to four, compared to three, compared to two? Uh, and you know, one thing we noticed actually is that the number of two stars 
that are actually rated two stars are, are fairly low. But when you, when you talk to folks who, who rate people, they typically think, okay, two stars are very low level FBS players or, uh, you know, kind of mid upper level FCS players. Like there's really not much of a, a, a level of distinction there. And so you really kind of have to almost expand your pool of two stars to, to account for how many players are actually signed to scholarships at the FCS level. Like two stars are essentially good enough to, at least from people I've spoken with, good enough to earn a scholarship at the FCS level uh, or kind of the, the very low levels of, of FBS. Um, you know, they're, they're D1, but whether they're FBS or FCS isn't necessarily significant. But uh, we, we found that, that five stars get drafted almost 60% of the time, which is really high. Um, and if you make it into school, it, it's, it's even higher. And that's something I wanted to, to ask you about. I, I, I may have missed this in here, and if so, I, I apologize. Did you all look at just recruiting classes signed, or did you look at actual composition of, of roster? Like, were you able to go down and break down the, the player stars who were actually on all the teams? Because in, in my, what I call blue chip ratio analysis, I simply look at who they signed. Who do they decide to use their, their letters of intent on each year? I, I was curious as to your methodology. Yeah, we used uh, players signed. Um, so we didn't take into effect of players playing time. We didn't take into effect players transferring schools. Um, so our analysis was basically as simple as can be players signed. Gotcha. Okay, I, I, that's... I really haven't noticed a, a huge difference um, in, in looking no. at the, the rosters and, and, and the players signed. I, I think that it's uh, oftentimes indicative of, of program quality as well, uh, you know, if you're able to, to sign those players. Maybe there's a few fringe examples where, okay, if, if you sign a bunch of players who you know aren't actually going to qualify academically, that, that could, could mess with results some. But uh, for the most part, uh, teams sign players who they expect to, to get into school. What? Right. I, I I don't know the actual numbers. I couldn't quantify it, but um, my my guess would be that five and four star recruits that get signed and a don't play or b transfer are going to probably be low. Making if we were to expand that analysis, I, I would say it wouldn't really have a huge effect on the estimates. So that's why we kind of kept it fairly simple. It would be tough to track. It would be it would be tough to estimate too. That's the the more I think about it. Oh yeah, yeah. You'd really ha that that would be um, it'd be a grueling exercise to have to, have to figure all that out. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know how you would you you have to start counting. You know, you know, snaps played and. Um, it would be a tough estimate. Uh, so yeah, we just we, we we kept it fairly simple. And you know, there, there's there's always pitfalls, and uh, maybe pitfalls is not the right word. There's always ways to better an estimate and better a test, and better a study. Um, but we, we basically just use simple as can be. Uh, recruit signed. Going back to my uh, days of taking economics courses. Did you find there was a certain level of recruiting where you had a little bit of a maybe diminished marginal utility? I think I'm using that phrase correct here where, okay, once you reach this 
certain point, uh, every additional four or five star is perhaps worth worth less, or or maybe not. Um, not in regards to you know bringing in more recruits on the higher end has a diminishing effect. Uh, what we have, well, in regards to diminish, diminishing effects, uh, what we saw was that actually when programs bring in three stars and two star recruits, that actually has a diminishing effect on uh, on the field performance, um, and also has in our current study a diminishing effect on revenue. So it, it just highlights the importance of bringing in high-rated recruits. Um, you know, if, if a program can't sign the fives and the fours this year and they have to bring in threes and twos, they're going to see it on the field and they're going to see it in the revenue. So how hard do you chuckle uh, when, when you see fans say things like, uh, well, recruiting, recruiting can't measure heart and, uh, you know, re- recruiting's just uh, – just, just a scam, and, and you know it really doesn't. You know, it's all about coaching and development, and, and recruiting doesn't really matter. I, I know I get a pretty good laugh out of it. Yeah, I, I do too. Um, I feel like a lot of that is on emotions and feelings rather than facts and statistics. Um, I and you know you'll get those those one-off situations where. You know, what about Ed Reed and what about Luke Keekley and whatnot? Um, but, you know, if, if anyone who really has done any work in regards to statistics, they understand that there are going to be outliers to any test. Um, so, like I said earlier, there's always going to be situations like Luke Keekley and like Ed Reed uh, that may fall through the cracks and become superstars. Um, I, I, I chuckle. Uh, but, you know, I, I think our statistics and our studies show um, that there is a profound effect. Um, you know, I, some may say that it is a little overhyped in regards to, you know, ESPN, um, you know, once the national championship's over, I feel like they have a show every day about football recruiting and um, more or less become entertainment. I understand that argument, but I would counter with that. It, there is some huge profound effects in regards to revenue and on the field performance. So it is a big deal when these five-star recruits get signed. I, uh, I conducted my own study on this, actually, and uh, what I found is that typically the people with these opinions are also, there's a really strong correlation from having that opinion and being a fan of a team that does not recruit at an elite level. Right. Yeah. Right. So. <laughs> I, I, just if you look at the top ten recruiting classes, in the last 10 years, uh, just think of the programs that are on that top five. It's Alabama. They've, you know, dominated. Ohio State, you know, they've won a national championship recently. In the 2000s, it was USC and Florida. You know, they, they dominated. Florida State had a bunch of top recruiting classes, and they won a national championship. Um, it, it, it's, I, I can't think of a national champion in the last 10 years that hasn't had a top five recruiting class. No, I, I, I can't either. Um, I think I think if you go back 20 years when, when the recruiting industrial complex was really just getting kicked up, you know, kicked up uh, mm-hmm. maybe you could. You know, kind of like the, the Washington, Colorado, Georgia Tech type thing in, in the yeah. very early 90s. Uh, they they right. probably didn't. But I, 
Nebraska recruited very well uh, in, in the 90s. Florida State did too. So maybe, yeah, maybe late 80s, early 90s could be, uh, you know, could, could be something different. So that's, huh. Yeah, um, I, it, it, there, it, I'd be shocked. I'm trying to think. I'm going through the, the last national champions in my head. And the only one that I maybe have an asterisk on is Auburn. The Cam Newton Cam year. one. Yeah. See, they had had um, a lot of really highly rated kids, uh, I think, three or four years before they won it, who didn't do a whole lot the first two years, and then they ended up playing really well that year. Yeah, uh, if you remember back in the day, uh, that whole controversy, you know, when Tommy Somerville ran the table in the SEC and they didn't think in the national championship, I think that created some momentum a couple yes. of years after where they brought in some higher-rated recruits. Um, but, yeah, I, I, you know, I can't think of a single team that's won a national championship in the last couple of years that haven't had a top five recruiting class in two or three years when they won the national championship. Exactly. That's, it really is the key. And, and, you know, if you think about it like this, I don't know if you're a fan of any pro sports or not, but mm-hmm. really in college there's a strong argument to be made that, that the players and the talent, just the pure talent level of the players is actually more important than it is in the pro leagues because in the pro leagues, theoretically, you have unlimited amount of time, practice time, well, or limited by the collective bargaining agreement, whatever the union will let you practice their guys, but certainly much more time to develop skills and, and develop scheme and strategy than you do in college. In college, we have the, the 20, 20 hour rule where you're not allowed to spend more than 20 hours practicing and, and schools skirt that, but not, not to the extent that to where they're technically pro teams or anything. Um, so really, you are kind of, well, in large part, you are what you recruit. Now, there are some examples of coaches who are really just botched things, but um, it, it's so important. Yeah, you know, I'm going to use my team as an example, the Buckeyes. The Big Ten is really bifurcated. Uh, you got the Michigans, you got the Ohio State. Um, you know, Michigan State has done fairly well with uh, – without recruiting too well. But, you know, when teams like Illinois, Indiana, Purdue, Minnesota, those guys, Northwestern, when they have these lower-rated recruits and when they play Ohio State, who have these five- and four-star recruits, I mean, you can just tell on the field that five- and four-star recruits are a lot better athletically. They're faster. They're stronger. And you, know, you can't coach speed or strength. Um and you watch those games, it's kind of like night and day. Um, so, you know, when teams well, – I don't really understand the argument, you know, when teams bring in lower-rated recruits, like we were talking about earlier, um, they, they tend to underperform. They may have spurts of outperformance. Maybe they have a bunch of seniors on the program. You know, it's great. Um, but – on um, skill level, you can really tell a difference. Maybe I, the SEC, there's a little more parity. In the ACC, there's a little more parity. But I'm sure there are schools where you can really tell a huge difference in skill level between the players. In some oh, there's, there's no doubt about it. And it, you can you can just go out on the field when, when they're at these recruiting right. camps and you can say, okay, that's, that's an upper-level kid. That's a mid-level kid. Uh, that's mm-hmm. – you know, that, that's kind of a, a fringe kid who is going to be lucky to actually get scholarship money. Uh, it, it's not that hard to 
to see who you're, like your five. I always tell people this: your five stars are the easiest to see, right? Like anybody, can, right. I can I could really take anybody who's ever watched football before, and they can go and mm-hmm. they can be like, oh, that's a five star, yeah, because he's you know six four three ten and moves like he's two sixty. Okay, <laughs> got it. Check. Yeah. The the tougher the tougher in my opinion the 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 easiest designation I think to make is probably between five and four. Uh, going from four to three, especially kind of at the lower bounds of, of your four set to three, is much tougher. And in your three to two, uh, oftentimes there's not necessarily that much difference. Maybe maybe an inch, right. maybe five ten pounds. Uh, a lot of times the, the difference between two and three, though, is just exposure. Did you get your film in front of the right people? Were you at a camp? Mm-hmm. Was was a recruiting analyst actually looking when you made that one good play? I mean, five stars are going to make a lot of plays. We'll, we'll, we'll see you. Um, you know, if you're a two, three star, maybe you're only making one really good play that day. Did, did I see that type thing? But that's Yeah, I mean, you look at guys like Jameis Winston and Terrell Pryor, I mean, you just felt like everyone else was in slow motion and – uh, those guys were, you know, three, four, five steps faster than, you know, the defensive backs, the linebackers, and everything. You can, you can, you don't even have to quantify. It. You can just visualize. It. You know which guys are the five-star recruits in the football program. Right. Exactly. It's absolutely. Well, I, uh, I certainly appreciate you coming on with us, um, and I'm, I'm very interested to see um, any new studies y'all have coming out. I know that. Look, from a pure business perspective. The more I can get people to believe that recruiting matters, the more they're going to follow recruiting, mm-hmm. which, you know, try to try right. to help out our, our 80 websites that we have with, with their recruiting coverage. The more people care, the better we do. So I'm, I'm very, very excited that we have actual scientific evidence as opposed to my kind of crack science uh, that, that recruiting <laughs> does matter at the highest level. Yeah, you know, uh, and I'm sure this, uh, you know, this conversation will probably come up more um, as time goes on, but um, we're, we're finalizing and we're, we're ready to getting close to submitting our the work that we've done recently in the last year or so. Uh, but we're really going to kind of push and pioneer. Our, our goal is with our recent study is to continue the conversation of paying players. Yes. So with our estimates, we see, and, and we, we could talk about this for hours, um, we see that and there's been a lot of studies on this, and they estimate how, you know, how much recruits are in a lot of different ways. Uh, but there's a consistent theme that uh, the estimates, the financial impact that these players have on their programs is far greater than what they're being compensated for. Oh, far greater. 100%. And if we can have them paid above board, too, it helps to actually get them more of the money as opposed to the money going to some shady middleman who's going to take a cut. Right. Right. And I think this will, on a business, as you're talking about business standpoint, you know, we, we quantified, you know, the effects college football recruits uh, have on programs. Now let's find the financial values. And I think that will maybe stick or uh, hit home a little harder uh, and, help people realize the, the financial impact, not just the on-the-field impact. Um, basically kind of continue to support that thesis that recruiting matters, and when they bring in higher-rated recruits, it really matters. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah, I'll, I'll let you know when we uh, we finalize that, and I'll be more than happy to pass it on to you. Uh, Stephen, 
Is there a, uh, a place where uh, folks can read more of your work or, or do you have a, anything you want to plug as far as a website or a Twitter account? I probably should ask this at the, at the outset of the pods, but um, um, now the yours. Uh, if you go to Dr. Logan, Dr. Trevon Logan, he has our work on his website. Um, and uh, he has a Twitter account that he, uh, you know, he will quote sometimes on stuff that we've been working on. Um, I'm not actually technology savvy or social media savvy. So uh, if you guys are more interested in what we've been doing, what we've done, and you're interested in the article, I would go to, uh, if you just Google Dr. Trevon Logan, Ohio State, his website will pop up. Sure, that'd be great. All right. Well, well, thanks so much for coming on and uh, look forward to, to doing this again when, when, when you all come out with your updated stuff. Well, do. I appreciate uh, you having us on uh, on the call, bud.